Thank you that the Lord answered prayer. And I'm grateful for your prayers on our behalf. Thank you very much. And uh, we just had a trip in Ireland. We're just home two weeks ago. And our son-in-law paid that. Amen. And he paid for our trip. So it was nice to, to be able to get home. My wife hasn't been home for 30 years. So it was nice to see her family and my own family again. And uh, we're thankful to God for that too. We have been working in the synagogue and also in the uh, museum. And uh, we continue to do that. We're working with the immigrants coming from Israel. There's now about 40 families have come. And we have a number of families we're meeting. Uh, actually, we're meeting another family in Moncton in a couple of weeks' time. So <clears throat> the Lord is opening the door for us. Pray for us that we'll use wisdom in these opportunities, when to speak, when to hold back, and to wait for the Spirit of God to move. And also that they would ask us the questions maybe about Christianity, what we believe, then we'll have an, a good opening door to speak to them. We've already had open doors. We've already spoken to some. And we still, they're friends, which is good. We're trying to keep the friendship as well. So pray for us. Continue to pray in those areas for the immigrants and also for the museum. We had 120 out on Tuesday, I believe it was, Tuesday. We had about 120 there from the ships coming into the harbor. And uh, most of those were Jewish people. So I've met a lot of them. They've given me their emails, and we're continuing to write back as well, back and forth. So pray that that too will be opened up, and uh, we'll see them come to know the Messiah, Jesus as Lord. Amen? Amen? So pray for that. And also we have started, as you know, a communique, which is the Canadian branch of the mission, Friends of Israel. And we're putting out uh, the communique about three or four times a year. So there's some on the table here, and also <clears throat> there's the Israel My Glory magazine. You might take that. Those are free if you'd like to have one of those as well. So pick up the literature. It's there for you. If you have your Bible, please, we want to look at a number of verses this morning. And uh, I'm not used to using the monitor here. I'm used to using this. So Matthew told me to close my computer so I don't know where we're going to go from here, but anyhow, we'll see how it works. So I want you to turn to Second Chronicles, if you don't mind, 34. And while you're doing that, let me just give you a little bit of background about what I'm going to try to share this morning. Uh, how should you and I live as believers before God? I want to talk to you about Adverbs, adverbs, and um, particularly one particular adverb I would like to share with you and how we should live. So let me take you back for a moment this morning to that wonderful class that you all loved, English grammar, and uh, it wasn't one of my favorites, believe me. But anyhow, there we learned about nouns and pronouns and adjectives and conjunctions, verbs and adverbs. It's the adverb I'm thinking about this morning, and uh, <clears throat> I'd like to speak on that uh, for, a few, for a little while. Now, let's see if this is working. It is working. Okay, we're talking about adverbs in the Scriptures. There's various texts that deal with that, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to look at some of them. <clears throat> An adverb just does what it says. Anybody know what it says? There you go. It adds to the verb. That's exactly what it does. An adverb adds to the verb. And so we're going to look at adverbs with you this morning. For instance, 
If I said some winter evening that it snowed yesterday, that's a, that's a bare fact. And it leaves uh, a lot to your imagination. Was there much snow? Was there little snow? <laughs> but if I put an adverb in there and I said to you, it snowed heavily yesterday. It gives a bit more light to it, doesn't it? It gives a little bit more to the, the sentence. It fills in the missing part and it adds greatly to the meaning of the sentence. If I spoke to you about a man going through the park and I said the man walked through the park, again, that's a fact. But did he dawdle? Did he walk with purpose? But if I put in uh, an adverb into it and said the man walked briskly through the park, that gives you the picture of a man who had added an inch to his step and he was walking with focus as he was walking with a little bit of energy now. So it does give a little bit more to the sentence when you look at it. For instance, uh, it colors the sentence. It adds color to it. For instance, have I said to you this morning about the Christian walk, for instance, you can go into Ephesians and you could find the word walk, and then you would have, how should I walk? Walk humbly. Walk circumspectly. Walk honestly before God. And so you see that little word adds to those particular words like, like walk. So I want to talk to you about the word faithfully. That's the one I want to talk about this morning. Faithfully means to be dependable, reliable, and to be trustworthy. F.B. Meyer was a writer, Christian writer, who often signed his letters with these words, yours to count upon. Yours to count upon. And sometimes we sign our letters, yours faithfully, don't we? We usually put that at the bottom of a letter. And so Mr. Marr was putting in an added little flavor to the same expression. As we would say, yours faithfully, he would just say, yours to count upon. And that's a wonderful statement because isn't it great to be a person who can be counted upon? Amen? And you just know they will be there for you and will always be the same. They will be marked by integrity. They will be marked by consistency. They will, they will be marked by reliability. That's a faithful person. Amen? And anyhow, I think that's a wonderful word this morning. Do you meet, do, do, do you see how attractive this adverb is? Faithfully. Now take your Bible, please, and we're in the Old Testament, and we're going to 2 Chronicles 34. And look at uh, verse 1. We see there it's talking about Josiah, who was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. So it's in the time of Josiah's reign. Now look at verse 8, please. Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Masasiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And notice, please, there's a few verses I want to uh, highlight during as we go down through. Verse 9, And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money, 
that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and of Ephraim and of all the remnant of Israel and of all of Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they put it, that is the money, they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to, to, to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to do what? To amend and repair the house of the Lord. And you have artificers, artificers and builders give they it to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed and so forth. And the men did the work. What did it say? What does it say? The men did the work faithfully. Let me look at that now. That's in verse 8, verse 12a. The men, the workmen, did the work faithfully. It could have said that the men did the work speedily. It could have said the men did the work busily or energetically, and those would be interesting verbs as well. But there's a better word chosen. The men did the work Faithfully. They could be counted upon. They were responsible. That's what the word means, Ken. They were dependable. Isn't it great to have in the work of God, in the house of God, men who are faithful? Now, there are people who work busily. There are people who work zealously. There are people who are full of energy, and they would put a character like me to shame. But in the things of God, we need more than business. We need more than zeal. We need more than energy. We need more than enthusiasm. What really counts with God is faithfulness, to be faithful. What was it that encouraged these men to put so much diligence into the detail of the house of the Lord? Well, it's the place where the work was being done. It was in the house of the Lord. Let's look at that for a minute. Look at verse 8. You'll find it there, the last last statement. To repair the house of the Lord his God. Verse 10. And they put it in the hand of the workman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. There's it again. And then verse 14 and 15 and 17, you have the house of the Lord. That's the place where they were putting the detail. They were putting it in the house of the Lord. It was the greatest building upon the face of the earth in those days. was the temple. And, uh, excuse me, it certainly was not a place for shoddy workmanship. It was not a place for sloppiness, uh, saying, ah, sure, that will do, and uh, don't worry about it. No, 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 no. That's not how you do the, the work of God, amen? You do it properly. You do it with faithfulness. No, no, this is the house of the Lord. This was the dwelling place of God, and whatever had to be done, it must be done right, and the work must be done faithfully. And beloved, I take from that a wonderful lesson for all of us. And beloved, God's house deserves the best. And it demands the best that we can give it. No shortcuts, no half-heartedness, no casual carelessness. It'd be said of every one of us, every brother and every sister, that we did 
the work of the house of the Lord faithfully. Listen, some of you clean the house of the Lord. Some of you are in the track band. We heard that this morning from Sam, being out in the streets. Some of you do Sunday school. Some of you do <clears throat> making the tea and the coffee for people to come down and have it so that it can be refreshed before the morning service. There are people who are doing those things. There are people playing instruments. And that means, thank you, sir. Thank you, Gabriel. Did you know he was an angel? <laughs> Gabriel? <laughs> I love that big fella, really, I do. He, and he knows it, and he knows it. Amen, brother, thank you. You knew I was thirsty, didn't you? You're right. This is part of the, the sickness I have. I get my throat gets so dry. So, so forgive me there. <clears throat> some of you, some of us are up here preaching. Some of us are doing the singing. And some of us are doing the playing, the piano and the guitars. And when I used to come here, I haven't been here for a while, but Ime used to be up here at the front, so he's got demoted. And now all these guys up here are all promoted. <laughs> so that's good too. You know, we enjoyed Ime as well. So it's good to do that. Listen, it's good to visit the sick. Don't do it with shoddiness. Do it with purpose. Do it with reliability and dependability. These people are dependent on you to come and visit them, to share the word of God with them, to pray with them, to send them a little note to say you really care for them. It's important, beloved, that we do the work of God faithfully. So that's the place they were doing the work of God. And then you have the purpose <clears throat> that, the work, that the work had in mind. <clears throat> that these men were given money to repair and to amend the house. And uh, we've seen that in those verses of Second Chronicles 34. But turn over to Second Kings, if you, if you don't mind. Second Kings, back a few chapters there. And you'll find here as well. Second Kings 12, and look at verse 9. But Jehoiada, the priest, took a chest and bored a hole in it, in the lid of it, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one cometh into the house of the Lord. And the priests that kept the door put therein all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And it was so when they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came in and they put it in bags and told the money that, and told the money that was found in the house of the Lord that, and they gave the money being told into the hands of them that did the work that had the oversight of the house of the Lord and they laid it out to the carpenters and the builders that wrought upon the house of the Lord. And you can go on down here and uh, let me get another verse for you here. 
Verse 13, Howbeit there were not made for the house of the Lord bowls of silver, snuffers, and so forth, uh, brought into the house of the Lord. Verse 14, But they gave that to the workmen and repaired there with the house of the Lord. Moreover, they reckoned not with the men. They reckoned not with the men. <clears throat> it says, They reckoned not with the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be bestowed on workmen, for they dealt what? Faithfully, again, we see the word faithfully. And brethren, this morning, if there's any ministry where absolute integrity is needed, is in handling the finances of the Lord's people. The purpose for which they received the money was to be for the repair and the amending of the house of God. And we need to keep that in mind. The house had been existing many, many years, way before these men were ever born back then. They were not building it. But other workmen had established the house. Other people, with the passage of time, quite a number of people uh, had been working in the background and doing the work. And they had been laying the foundation and the groundwork for this chapel to be built. And they put in the prayers, Esther, and they put in the money. And they labored in, in the area here to have a testimony in, in this place in Victoria Road. And we mustn't forget that. And we should not let the house of God uh, uh, run and, and, and be run down. We need to keep it that it's lovely and warm and nice. And you can come in and worship. Amen. Yes, we have to thank God for the faithful men who went before. We must stand behind that as well. There's a purpose there to be faithful. Now, I'm going on here. I'm rattling on a bit too long, probably. I've got to be 20 points here, so hold on. No, the, the, the house of God will disintegrate if we don't take care of it. I was talking to a pastor the other day. There's about maybe six, seven hundred in his church. The church was built, I don't know when it was built, it was built for years. But he told me, he said, John, you know, he says, the carpet is terrible. He says that our church really is in disrepair. It needs, it needs to pick me up. And now they're putting a new floor down. And now they're putting a new carpet down. And now they're building new classrooms for the kids. And the people are giving to the work of God so that that testimony will stand in the area. Amen? It's a wonderful testimony. I, I think it was $2.4 million. It's a lot of money. The pattern of which the work had to be done. And we can't do God's work just any way we want. We have to do it the way it was purposed in the beginning and the pattern and the plan in the beginning. Amen? These men had the foresight to put it the way they have it now. It's lovely. I don't see too many churches like this. It's a lovely place to be in. And anyhow, <coughs> excuse me, the pattern was important and the plan is important because David was wanting to build it for the Lord, but he couldn't build it because he was a man of war he had blood on his hands, but we know that his son Solomon would build it later, and Solomon did build it. But David, though he didn't build it, he gave lots to it, 
of money and so forth, and he gave a lot to it. And also, God gave to David the plan and the pattern, and he passed the plan and the pattern on to his son uh, Solomon. And they got the house of the Lord went up. Oh, yes, it must have been a beautiful building. Amen? The personnel in the work we read, carpenters, porters, officers, scribes, uh, artificers, musicians, builders, everybody had a purpose and everybody had, a, had, had a, a place to do things for the Lord's house. And it's important that we pull together and, and come together and do these things for the house of the Lord. Amen? Uh, let me tell you something else in Second Chronicles chapter 19. Chapter 19. Second Chronicles 19. <clears throat> this is a nice verse here as well. You know, friend, we read in the text before that that um, Assyria came in and did damage to the house of God, and then the Babylonians came in and did real terrible stuff to the house of God, and they leveled it, leveled the city. But uh, you know, this time in Second Chronicles 34, you know who had done most the damage to the to the house of God? It was the kings of Judah. Men who should have had great respect for the house didn't. It was them that had the place the way it was. And so that's a sad testimony about them. So now, look, I want to give you another quick one. That's uh, the men did the work of God, uh, the purpose and the pattern, and the personnel were all involved. And then we want to look at Second Chronicles chapter uh, 19. In this particular passage, we have another king, Second Chronicles 19, verse 4 through 11. I don't want to take all the time reading these verses, but verse 4, Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back into the Lord, unto the Lord God of their fathers. He was another godly king, just like Josiah, Second Chronicles 34, and now you have Jehoshaphat here as well, another godly king. And uh, it says in verse 4, And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again to the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land, throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges... You should mark that. And said to the judges, or the leaders of the people, he said to the judges uh, in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and he said to the judges, Take heed what you do, for you do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. 
And then he goes on to say, Moreover, at Jerusalem did Jehoshua sat of the Levites and of the priests and the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord for controversies. And when they returned to Jerusalem, and he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a perfect heart. And so now the judges, now they're called upon to be faithful in dealing with the wrongs and the controversies between blood and blood and so forth and dealing with the issues that would come up among the nation. My friend, not an easy task to do. And that's what we have here. They did the work of the Lord in the fear of the Lord faithfully. And then verse 11 says, and with, a, and with a perfect heart. And then God says, and deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. And uh, can I say this to you? Some of the decisions that have to be made in this assembly, brethren, when wrong has been committed, would you try and make your decisions when you do them? Do them faithfully in the fear of God. Don't be influenced by finances. Don't be taking a gift. That's what it says in the text. Don't be influenced by the gift. Do the right. Be righteous. Make the decisions properly before, before the Lord. Don't be influenced by finances. You know, some people can be influenced by families in the church too. Don't be influenced by the families. You're not there to do that. The influence, let them influence you in the sense of what is right and what is wrong and how you deal with issues in the chapel or in the, in the church. It's important that the man of God do it with righteousness and do it faithfully. Don't be influenced by finances. Don't be influenced by family. Don't be driven off course by the frowns of people. Many people give you the lie, don't they? They give you a look. No, no, no. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the person that has been wronged. Be faithful to the person that has committed the wrong and point out the wrong. And be ye faithful to the Lord's people. Be ye faithful to the Lord's word in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a perfect heart. And deal, do it courageously and the Lord will be with the good. That's how you deal with the wrongs. It's a real challenge, isn't it, when you see these things. not a nice message I'm bringing you. I'm sorry about that, but uh, it's what the Lord has put upon my heart. So if you don't, don't be influenced by finances and you don't be influenced by family and you don't be influenced by friends, how are you supposed to be influenced then? By the fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord. They dealt with the wrongs in the fear of the Lord. Amen? That's how you're to do it, leaders. That's how you're to do it in the assembly. Have a balance. Do it right. Do it fairly. But do it righteously. Here's a third one. Isn't this little word faithful good? I hope you'll find it is when you leave the place here. Faithful workmen. Faithful judges and leaders. To deal with the wrongs. Faithful in the work. And here's a third one we're going to look at. Faithful to preaching the word of God. Amen? 
You have to be faithful to the book. Let's go over to Jeremiah 23. Oh, and I'm doing good. I'm, it's just 12 o'clock. Now, you took a whole lot of my time. I'm going to take a whole lot of your time, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter, <clears throat> chapter 23. Now, I'm not going to labor it. There's six points to this. Let me tell you something, beloved. I got this thing on my knees. You don't get it from a book. You don't get it from somebody else. You get it before the Lord. Amen? It's a message that has to be fresh from God. That's important to the preacher. And uh, so Jeremiah 23, 28, verse 28, and we'll go to verse 32. And we'll read that. Do you mind if I stop for a drink of water? I'm going to drink it anyway. Oh, boy. Faithful in the work, the workmen were faithful in the work. The judges or the leaders were faithful in the wrongs. And now we have the preachers that are to be faithful in the word. <clears throat> verse 23, in chapter 23, verse 28. I got it right? No, I'm in the wrong book. Jeremiah 23. Verse 18, For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord? And hath perceived and heard his word. That's what I said to you. You get the message in the counsel of the Lord in your knees before God. That's where you get it, your messages. Before the Lord. And then he goes on to say, And hath perceived and heard, heard his word. Who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days he shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. And we got a lot of that today too. I don't think a lot of times they're sent from the Lord. A lot of the times it's for their own gain, unfortunately. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then should they have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth? saith the Lord. And he goes on and on and on in the text in regards to these things. But I want to get you to the verse 28. Uh, verse 28. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word. What? Let him speak my word faithfully. There's it again. That's the little adverb. Faithfully. Do it. Be dependable. Be, de be reliable. Be trustworthy. Faithfully. And then he goes on to say this. What is, what is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? 
and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And he goes on to speak about the prophets who ran, but he didn't send them, and they speak, but he didn't give them the message. And Jeremiah's fighting all this false prophets, and he has to preach the word of the Lord. And my dear friend, listen, do you understand the prophet, what he took for all of this? They put him in prison. He wasn't allowed in the palace. They put him outside and put him in a pit. And this man wept and wept and wept over the nation of Israel. And he gave them the word of the Lord and they weren't listening to him. He was the true prophet of God. My friends, rivers of waters rolled down the man's face. You go into his lamentations and you'll see it. You talk about Saul of Tarsus being concerned about Israel. This man of God here was concerned about them too. And he tried to turn them back to God, to get back to the book, to get back to the word. So very important. The false prophets in his day were men that tailored their message to suit the popular demand. And they preached to the people exactly the things that the people wanted to hear and not the things that they needed to hear. And Jeremiah's faithful ministry was constantly being eroded by these popular pulpiteers that falsified the word of the Lord. They diluted it and domesticated God's word and repackaged it in the tinsel of popular opinion and appeal. And so the Lord told Jeremiah three times, I am against the prophets. I am against the prophets. Well, here's the question I leave with you this morning. So how do we get the word of God? And how should we handle the word of God, John? How are we supposed to do it anyway? Number one, if you have writing down notes, number one, you should probably get them up here. Hold on. Excuse me. I'm used to doing it on my computer, Matt, I'm sorry. He's to be preached the word of God faithfully, hasn't he? Verse 28, he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Not popular opinion, but speak what the word of God says. Don't be afraid of the faces of the people, just preach the word of God. And let the word of God do its work in the hearts of men and women. That's what we should be doing. Do it faithfully. And here's the second thing that we should do. We should do it freshly. Now, you're like me. We all beg and borrow and steal from somebody else, don't we? We all beg and borrow from their books. We beg and borrow from sermons. We do this and do that. The best place to get your messages is on your knees before God. Yes, these people can be very helpful. I've found a lot of help from men of of God and women of God who've written things. And uh, they've helped me tremendously. But beloved, to get your message, it has to go through you before it will go through the congregation. It'll have to challenge your own heart before you get up and preach. It's not easy standing up here preaching, by the way. It's not easy. And I speak to myself and to my fellow brethren who stand behind the pulpit week after week declaring God's word. 
This is a very solemn thing that we are doing. This is not a light business that we are in. It calls for diligence. It calls for studies so that we rightly divide the word of God. It calls for times on our knees in prayer as we seek God's message for his people. And beloved, we need to take heed to God's word to Jeremiah and apply it to our days. He that hath my word, let him, let him do it faithfully. Let him preach it freshly. Congregation is waiting to hear God's word from you, so you must not add or take away from it, but share with them the fresh oil, the fresh oil that God has given you to speak. But not only do we have to speak it faithfully and freshly, we're to speak it fittingly. We're to speak it fittingly. I hope this morning that maybe that God has spoken to you in some of these areas as he has to my own heart. And I pray that you'll be humbled enough to make corrections because the word of God is given for correction, amen, for rebuke, for instruction, that the man of God, woman of God, may be thoroughly first unto every good work. And so I trust and pray that God will use something this morning that might touch your heart. And we're to do it fittingly, we need to present to the people exactly the need of the present horror and how often we preach messages that don't fit into the category. Jeremiah ministered to the people in their present condition. He spoke to them in their compromise and in their worldliness, and he didn't avoid uncomfortable subjects. And you can't point the finger at me today because I haven't been here for a long, long time, and I don't know what's going on in this assembly. I'm just preaching what God has put in my heart. Amen? That's important. Many of the messages we preach just don't fit into the category, but Jeremiah was a man who ministered to the people in their present condition, and he didn't omit things that would be negative and, and things that would get him applause. We're not looking for applause. We don't put our, put ourselves in the back, you know. No, no, no. No, no, no. If I can point you to God and the things of God, and I can point you to the way of walking with the Lord and have fellowship with God, that's the idea why I'm here today. I hope it'll encourage you and refresh you in the Lord. Amen? Don't get excited about it. It's okay. <laughs> Faithfully, freshly, fittingly. Wait for the impression of God and then give the expression. <clears throat> and this is probably where I would usually fit in, David. Preach it forcefully. <laughs> but by that we mean with strong assertive manner. I hope we do that, catching the attention of the hearers because the souls of people and the destiny of men and women depend upon your messages. This is what makes the whole matter of preaching serious. Therefore, we need to pour ourselves into the message and preach it directly to the hearts of men and women with strong, forceful assertion. And by your friend this morning, if you're here, let me tell you with this forceful assertion, with kindness, with love, you need to be saved. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. There is no other way. 
There is no other way. They're trying to tell us there's all different roads to heaven. My friend, there's only one way to heaven. And it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? That's the only way. So we're to preach it forcefully. And then, man, this one, we're to preach it fearlessly. Fearlessly. <laughs> Jeremiah told the people things that got him into trouble. <laughs> he, paid, he, he paid for what he preached. He ended up out of the city and was placed in prison and was not welcome in the palace. But I'll tell you what he was. He was faithful. He was a faithful man of God. He was faithful to the word of God. I say this, every man that preaches God's truth faithfully and points out error must be prepared to pay the price of the truth he preaches. My brother in, my brother in Ireland, I was with him just recently. I told you he was in Ireland. I had a nice time with my brother. He's a preacher. He's a Pentecostal preacher, and he's a good preacher. He really is. And anyhow, he told me, John, he says, I got up and I preached about alcohol. And he says, I lost 500 people out of my congregation. Now, how would you like to have a congregation of 800 and 500 walk out on you? I says, what did you do? He says, we got together and prayed and asked God to bring back people or to enlarge the, enlarge the church again. And now they're back up to 500 now. They're, they're climbing again. But he didn't bend. He didn't bend. Thank God he didn't bend. He did it fearlessly. And do you know why? That young boy, that young boy, my brother, He's up every morning at 5.30 and he goes for a walk and prays to God every day. 5.30, without fail. I know, I was with him. <laughs> he said to me, John, I'm going praying 5.30 in the morning. I says, forget it. <laughs> but that's his lifestyle. And God's blessing. Even though he lost people, he still stood to the truth of the word of God faithfully. And of course, we must preach it. And I hope you got it from me this morning. We do it with feeling. We do it with passion. We do it with love. You see the wholeness of it? Look at verse 28 of chapter Jeremiah 23. Look at the wholeness of it. What is the chaff to the wheat? My dear friend, listen. It is the wheat. It is the finest of the wheat. Whatever, wherever the Lord's people gather, they are hungry for the wheat. They're hungry for the word of God. And thank God we have a book of wheat to give you. Amen. This is a book of wheat. <laughs> this is what you feed on daily. And you grow thereby. And you get stronger as you're in the word. 
It's not only do you see the wholesomeness of it. Here's the second thing I noticed here. We see the warmth of it. That's going back. Anyhow, it's not, it's not working with me, but I The wholesomeness of it, look at the warmth of it. He says, is not my word like as a fire? Even the Bible is, sometimes it hurts us, sometimes it it's a sharp-edged sword. Sometimes it pierces. Sometimes it convicts. But it's all for your good. It's all for our good. There are no substitutes. There are no supplements. All we have is the wheat. The wheat, not the chaff, the wheat. There is no chaff in the Bible. And then lastly, look at the weight of it. Is not my word like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? And sometimes you feel and the fall of it, and it falls on the hardest and the toughest points sometimes. But thank God for all of these qualities of God's word. Amen? Maybe speak it faithfully. Maybe speak it freshly. Maybe speak it fittingly. Maybe speak it forcefully. Maybe speak it fearlessly. And maybe speak it with feeling. Faithful. The preachers were faithful to the word of God. And it's gone past the time. And I have another one, but I'm not going to give you it. I want you to read it for yourself. Gaius, in Third John, Gaius was faithful to the welcome. He welcomed the preachers in. As they were passing through, he brought them in. And there was a man called Diotrephes who opposed him. You have a Diotrephes in the meeting? He opposes everything. <laughs> Gaius didn't turn away. He kept doing what he was doing faithfully. Don't turn, don't turn away because somebody else is doing wrong. Don't let it affect you. You keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. That's the important thing. That's what Gaius did. He was faithful to the welcome. He kept on bringing them in, David. You just offered us your home the other day. To stay with you, the preacher. <laughs> he said he's going to charge me a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, Gaius had something that was wrong with him. He was prospering in his soul, said John. But it seems he was in ill health. He says, I hope your, your body prospers like your soul prospers. He, he seems to be like he's in ill health. So he, was a, he, was, he, was, he had some uh, <coughs> health issues. And then he had some home church issues <laughs> with diatrophies. But he wasn't lacking, my friend. He might have had some health issues and he might have had some home church problems. But I'll tell you this, he was not lacking in hospitality. That's a quality, isn't it? Opening your homes to people in hospitality. Thank you for offering your home to us. We appreciate it so much. And others have done the same, can they? People have done the same. Just be faithful in the welcome. Stick at it. Amen? Just a little adverb. Just a little adverb. But I want to tell you, it puts a lot of color into the message, doesn't it? Shall we pray?
How good is the God we adore? Our faithful, unchangeable friend whose love is as great as his power and knows neither measure nor end. Tis Jesus the first and the last whose spirit will guide us safe home. We thank him for all in the past and we praise him for lots to come. Father, I pray this morning that the word of God was magnified, that the scriptures of God was magnified, that the Son of God was glorified, that the saints of God were edified. And then I pray, Lord, may sinners be justified. We leave these things with you. In Jesus' name, amen.